scholarly research and scholarly communication, scholarly writing is, is different than what you've been trained for your whole life. You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and this is Episode 9, where we explore the shift from working in your content courses to conducting the research for your dissertation or doctoral project. Did you know that about half of the people who start a doctoral program don't finish it? And the crazy thing is, most people are stopping out when they get to their dissertation. On today's show, we're going to unpack what is it that's going on when you shift from doing your coursework to working on your research project, and why is this such kind of dangerous territory for the student? My guest is going to walk you through what you need to know so that you can navigate this transition successfully. Dr. Todd Fiore is a champion for student success and has a long history of working with doctoral students. He brings a unique perspective in that before he even thought about completing a PhD, he had three careers. One of those was working as a student advisor. He is both a faculty mentor and serves on doctoral committees. Today, he's joining us from St. Thomas University in Miami, Florida, where he is currently the Director of Academic Quality for Graduate Studies. Dr. Fiore, I'm so excited to have you here. Hello, glad to be here. So let's talk about what is it that is going on between this or this stage where you're a student taking classes, you're probably excelling, you're used to racking up A's, you probably have a 4.0, and then boom, you get to this stage you've been waiting for, and things change. Things most definitely change. Um, you know, you're right about what, what's known as the ALBA dissertation or ABD phenomenon, where, uh, you know, anywhere between 40 and 60% of students don't finish. And for online students, it tends to be even higher, unfortunately. And one of the reasons I found in my research for that is that we don't do enough to prepare students for the transition from coursework to doing independent research, to doing a dissertation, because it's really very unique and very different. And uh, one of the reasons students stop out is because they're not prepared to make that transition And to be honest, as faculty, we don't always support that transition or understand that transition. When you talk to students about making this transition, they'll say that they don't feel as connected to their faculty sometimes because the faculty is just expecting them to know things and know how to do this on their own. So I'm happy to talk about this this transition and the idea that you go from, in your coursework, you're, you're an expert student. You, you know, by the time you've done kindergarten through elementary school, through middle school, through high school, through perhaps an associate's degree and your bachelor's degree and your master's degree, and then your doctoral coursework, you have mastered being a student. You know how to, how to handle that. But then you get to this dissertation stage and it's basically just you and your chair or you and your committee. And it's, it's a self-directed world that you might not be prepared for. 
So on the, it's, it sounds like we're academically prepared, right? We kind of have the content, the knowledge that we need, but there's a psychological or maybe even can we go so far as to say emotional shift that's happening here that we're not preparing people for that we're not talking about? I would say there's an emotional shift or a psychological shift or not. There's also a content shift because scholarly research and scholarly communication, scholarly writing is, is different than what you've been trained for your whole life. Um, but on the personal side, yes, most definitely psychologically you have to, there's a lot of self doubt among students when they get here because it's something you've never done before. You don't have the self-efficacy to think that, well, I've got this. I've taken other coursework. I've taken, I've succeeded academically all the way through. I can just do this. But you haven't, in most cases, done an independent research project at this level. So you don't have that experience to draw on. And a lot of times what we see with students is they're afraid to ask for help about what needs to be done. So I guess that would be my really my first piece of advice in making the transition is, build a strong network of advisors, be it your student advisor, your chair, other faculty, other people, other peers, other people in your program, because there will be questions that you don't know how to answer that you may find different people give you, have different strengths in helping you with those things. One might be time management. Again, when you get done with your coursework, you're the expert. You can whip out your your, your work that you need to do in, in a short amount of time because you become very efficient with it. But then you get to your dissertation. A lot of students find it's, it's, it's an additional time commitment that they weren't necessarily prepared for. So time management uh, might be something that you want to turn to an advisor for. Another so, Todd, I'm going to stop you right there because let's unpack that a little bit. When you're a student, you know maybe there's a seminar you need to attend or if you're online, a discussion post and a paper, you may be able to do this in a one or two hour um, block of time, right? Like you said, at this point as students, we've become really good at completing this finite activity that we turn in once and we get a good grade. And then we pass on to the next activity in the next course, but that's not what's happening at this no, program. That's a great point because you can do it. You can, in, a, in, a, in a class, you might turn in six or eight papers and then you never really see them again. But when you're writing a dissertation, you're going to be working on the same manuscript for the entire time. So there's additional time you need to be build in for revision, for incorporating feedback um, that some students aren't prepared for. The other thing is the level of the time you need for the research. For a typical paper, you might have five to 10 references. A typical dissertation may have 100 to 200 references. And let's just say, and those are the references that make it. That's right. Right? That's right. You're probably reading two, three, four times that number of articles. Absolutely. Now, I'm always reluctant to share that up front because a lot of times that's very intimidating. Like, oh, my God, there's no way I can find 100 recent references. But the truth is you can because you, you also become more efficient at doing this type of research. Whereas reading an article and, and looking for the information you need when you start might take you oh, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 45 minutes to read the article, depending on the article, the better you get at this and the more you do this, by the time you're done, you'll be able to scan through 10 articles in 20 minutes. I mean, you, you know what to look for. So 
I'll tell you that too, that, that part of that transition is you, you gain that same level of efficiency and experience and mastery. You just don't have it when you start. So that transition is difficult in the beginning. So it's kind of like this uphill for, for a while as you're working on maybe your perspectives or your proposal, different universities call that first little document that you're, you're basically your idea that you're getting approval for can take a really long time. It's almost like creating a blueprint for a mansion that you're building and you need to make sure everything's in order before you start this research. And so you may not have this feedback of finishing a class or getting an A, and yet you're having to put in more work than you've ever put in before. So there's not a lot of uh, kind of gratification, right, up front. Yes, there's definitely not. Now, you know, almost all dissertations have benchmarks along the way, proposal, perspectives being one, you get that done. Okay, that, there's a sense of achievement there but you're still not done at that point. In fact, I would almost argue you're never done. I still look at my dissertation and I wanna, I wanna go back and edit it because it's like, oh my gosh, why did I write that? Um, but part of, part of the making the transition is understanding that and make sure you're, you're allowing yourself some grace to, um, number one, you're going through something that it's not, you know, it's unique to you, but people who have been through the experience are there to help you and get you through and talk to you about it because they can relate to exactly what you're going to be feeling. Um, number two, you really have to humble yourself as well, because as a good student, you're used to getting all a lot of positive feedback. The nature of feedback at the dissertation level is going to be a little more, it's not negative, but it's a little more instructive. So it's not as much, hey, great job here. It's more, hey, this is good, but you need to do this, or you need to add this, or we need to, I need more sources, or you need to cite this differently. So um, I've worked with students who I give them feedback, and I feel like I, as an instructor, I've given them a lot of great feedback, but they get it, and they're like, oh, my God, there's so much is wrong. And that's not necessarily the case. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It means it's an opportunity to you know, accelerate that improvement and keep making that that manuscript better. I think one of the main differences, like you said, in a class, there are these learning outcomes, right, that your professor is making sure you're mastering. But when you get to this stage, you've now got literally a group of academics who are not only hired, the expectation, they're literally being paid to find ways to provide critical feedback, right? Exactly. I mean, exactly. that is their job, is to pick this apart. And I think this is not what we're used to as students no. until we get to that point. And no. I have had the similar situation where I'm giving this feedback and I'm thinking, overall, I'm thinking, this is great, right? Only to hear back from the student that, they just cried for 10 hours and I'm thinking, wait, no, this is part of the process. And this was, this is great feedback. We're honing this. It's like, we're, we're creating this sculpture, this masterpiece, this work of art, and it's not going to happen overnight. You're used to writing a paper, getting an A for this one. You're going to be looking at this thing hundreds of times. Exactly. And, you know, like I said, there's that level of humbleness you need because your first instinct is going to be like, no, no way. I, you know how much time I put into this? This is, I did very well on this. This is good. And you see, get all this feedback and you have that experience like, oh, she's wrong or he, there's no way he's wrong. I'm going to find somebody, somebody else to look at this. But the truth is, is that 
that's part of the skill of becoming a scholar is learning to incorporate that feedback because ultimately the goal is to just create a deeper level of understanding. And going back to our timepiece, that takes some time to get there. So you're not going to be able to write this over a weekend. It's going to be something that you're going to be working on for some time. And while you're working with your chair and you may get to a point where both you and your chair are really pleased with this document. I always prep a student I'm working with to say, now we're sending it to the committee member right. and get ready because we've looked at this so many times and we're really happy with what we have here. But remember their job is to take something we already think is good and take it to the next level. So there's going to be feedback, right? And kind of setting this expectation that like you said, you're never really done. <laughs> No, you're not. And, and that makes me think of another area of transition that a lot of students struggle with, and that is understanding the dissertation process and, you know, kind of knowing what's coming next. Because um, I think most students, when they, they start, they've heard of this thing called a defense. They have to defend their dissertation. Um, but they kind of doesn't don't know where that happens or they don't may not know that, all right, I got it done with my chair and now the committee member is going to look at it or, okay, everything's good to go with the proposal, but oh, now we got to do IRB. As, as institutions, I'll say this, that and as faculty, we don't do as good of a job as we can, I think, in explaining the process. So as a student, I would say that's where someone like your student advisor or your peers can really be helpful. Now, that's not to say your chair or your or faculty advisors won't explain it to you because they certainly will. But a lot of times they kind of assume you know that part already when you really don't. Nobody's ever talked to you about how that works or they may have talked to you about it at your orientation or, or residence, you know, two years ago. Understanding the process. And I think when you're, when you're working with your chair and, and during this transitional period, I would, I would set that as an expectation of your chair and say, Hey, listen, can you help me along with this? Just let, always let me know what's coming next. You know, I want to I wanna be able to focus on this, but what's coming next? You know what? That is a great tip, Todd, because I know you and I have been doing this for years and years and years, and we know what comes next. We kind of do make this assumption that you know what's coming next. And I think that brings us back to one of your very first points, which is basically, there is no stupid question. Asking questions and communicating, I think, is a huge way to kind of make this experience a little more doable. Absolutely. And it also ties back to my previous point about build a network of advisors. Don't just rely on your chair. Now, ultimately, your chair is your guide, uh, is your sage, is, is going to be the person that's going to give you the information you need. But if you're not quite understanding or they're not available at that moment, process is a great example of a peer or a, a cohort member or a, somebody else that's working on their dissertation who may be a little farther along the lines, like, well, what comes next? Or how did you do your IRB application? Or when you were working on your, your problem statement, kind of what were some of the challenges? Because I'll tell you something that my experience was as a student and my, what I've seen as a faculty member is people who are working on a dissertation know the challenge that it is, and they're more than happy to share their experience. It's hard to do sometimes because, you know, I'm the, when I was doing my program, I was the only one, first one in my family to get a doctorate. I didn't, my friends weren't doing a PhD program. So I didn't have my, my normal network of support that supports me emotionally, which is also important, but they weren't able to help me with these questions like, what goes in a proposal? <laughs> um, so 
you need but, both. And is, both it, is it normal that I've had to revise this 20 times? Exactly. That's why I, I always say build a network of people that you can rely on because you're going to have multiple needs. Um, some of it is, is functional, like what's what's the process of this? And some of it's emotional, like, gosh, I'm just having a bad day. And you can turn to friends and family and they can help you with that. But sometimes it's also good to talk to somebody who is going through the same dissertation experience that you might be, um, you know, where you may have to, and it's another transitional point, you may have to defer some obligations to, to work on your dissertation. I, you know, by no means am I saying you have to take a time out from your life and you're not still able to do fun things. But it's not unusual, for instance, for students to take time off of work every now and then to work on their dissertation or to uh, do like a, a dissertation vacation, you know, take vacation days where, you know, I, I, for, my, for myself, for instance, I, I did what I called writing retreats, where I would, you know, take two or three days and check into a hotel. So I had no distractions. And I was also, I was paying some money out. So it kind of really motivated me to, all right, I got to sit down and do this. Um, but those are the kind of things you learn from building that network of support, you know, Another person suggested that to me and it worked for me. So in that transitional period, really start, you know, leaning on that network. I think building a network is so important. It is one of the predictors of success. And I went to a land-based program. So I had graduate students I was passing in the hall. We had a graduate student lounge. We had the gym at the university where you could kind of, you know, cry on your lab mate's shoulder one thing I noticed shifting from being in that land-based environment to the online environment is it's already, once you get to the dissertation doctoral project stage, it's already isolating, but even more so in an online and with the way the world is operating currently, even some of the people who are land-based now are having to take things online or residencies are now going online. And so this idea, this suggestion to really spend some time building a network, I think is critical. Even students today at land-based institutions, a lot of their interaction with their chair is by email. So that network is invaluable. Todd, you've given us so much information today to think about. I think some of the key takeaways are, you know, humble yourself. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Build this network. Be aware that you're going to have to have time to do this process. Any final words of wisdom? You know, one thing that comes to mind as you're making this transition is um, sometimes it's nice to have things that make you comfortable. And one of the things for me is music. So I, you know, I, I, during the time I was working in my PhD program, I built my own little soundtrack of, of songs that were um, me of meaning to me, or, you know, I, I would always put on the same songs when I would write, cause it would kind of, I actually kind of learned like, how long I'd been writing by what songs I was getting to in my, in my playlist, find comfort in your everyday activities and things that are meaningful to you. And that'll help you through the transition. I love that. I'm envisioning you um, with a Rocky soundtrack right now, <laughs> suiting up, getting ready to tackle the dissertation. Believe me, my playlist had some real inspirational things. It also had some, you know, sad stuff and heartbreak stuff and, I hear those songs now and it's great memories of the process of doing a dissertation. And I love that we've had this very academic conversation here, but you're bringing 
up this this idea that things like music and and sound and vibration can have an impact on your mood and how you're experiencing this event. So get Spotify, get your Pandora out, start making your playlist. I'm um, talking such a pleasure to talk to you today and I can't wait to have you back because we've got some other really exciting topics that we're going to cover in the future. Well, thanks, Dr. Frederick. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening and I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. But until then, I'd like to invite you to visit my website, expandyourhappy.com, where you can download a document I wrote called The Doctoral Journey, 12 Things You Need to Know That They Probably Won't Tell You. And when you download that article, you'll be invited to participate in a seven-day email adventure that will help you kickstart your happy doctoral journey. I'm looking forward to connecting with you there. And until the next episode, I'm sending you more joy for your journey. One more thing, just a quick reminder that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only. 